Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hi everyone, welcome back to The One Up Project podcast. Um, I'm here with Rebecca Hollis today, um, who's joining us all the way from San Fran in the US, so I'm really excited to get into this and I'm really grateful that you've given up your time to tell everyone a bit about your story. So welcome, Rebecca. How are you? A-OK. How's things back in NZ? They're going well, yeah. Just a um, beautiful day in Auckland today, but it's um, it's going good so far. Hopefully just trying to keep the old COVID out of the country as much as we can. How's it going in the US over there? Crazy, wild, everything you see on TV is pretty much accurate. Wow. We're, we're pretty lucky in Kelly. We're coming into summer, so it's, um, I guess, hotter and nicer, and we've got a pretty sweet setup for the whānau, which is which is nice. So uh, kids are safe, and that is probably the, the main thing. Good. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's definitely looking pretty scary over there and a lot different to what it might be like day to day here so glad to hear everything's going well um so do you want to maybe tell us a bit about what your day-to-day looks like at the moment and um what you're sort of doing over there in the U.S.? Yeah, my wife's family's from San Francisco and um, I guess in a previous life um, through snowboarding, I've been back and forth here for, you know, 17, 17 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about um, up in Tahoe and then we've got a place in San Francisco. Uh, and basically now with the time zones, we're kind of five hours ahead. So I'll, I guess on a day-to-day, I'll wake up early, do the whānau thing, um, smack out a bunch of stuff to Liavo, a bit more fam time and then get back into it. So I kind of almost have double days really so I won't finish until you know 10 or so um at night as well because with, with the time zones um so I kind of it's kind of weird actually I, I I think when the time zone's three hours I have probably a bit more normal New Zealand hours but as soon as it goes to five you know I'll get up at seven in the morning which is only you know 2 a.m New Zealand time and then I'm kind of into it so um work-wise productivity pro probably goes up when the time difference is a bit um more but uh all in all it's not that not that crazy. Yeah, cool. And so I know that you are a bit of a lifestyle entrepreneur and have started a lot of things throughout your lifetime. So do you want to tell us a bit about your background? Did you go to uni and where did you grow up in NZ? Yeah, so I failed high school, couldn't get into university, um, but I was always been pretty entrepreneurial. My kind of quick background for those who um, don't know, my yeah, whanau is from Ngāti Pro East Coast Gisborne. I grew up on a farm in Dargaville up north till I was four, then actually lived in Fiji till I was like eight, eight or nine, then mo- wow. moved back to um, Christchurch and grew up in Aranui. Um, Aranui is on the east side of Christchurch and, um, you know, had challenges and stuff when I was younger, um, which was, you know, n- not ideal and you, know, you can probably figure out, you know, the majority of people that come from certain types of environments um, don't usually get out of where they're from. And so I I was fortunate enough that I kind of, lucky enough that I sort of did. Um, I was pretty into sport. So sport was essentially my escape. Um, I played basketball for New Zealand and soccer for New Zealand. And I got into snowboarding um, and I sort of set myself a goal that, you know, I would fully commit to this thing and use it to get out of where I was from. And and I, I did. So I became a professional snowboarder, ranked number one, New Zealand, got a, you know, silver medal at the, at the world finals, which was pretty, pretty amazing for me. And then used my money to start a couple of businesses. And so, um, first built a, um, uh, uh, action sports media company with apps and websites and TV shows and then um, a video production content agency um, called Frontside and we built that up over um, a good few years and eventually um, sold that business to Saatchi and Saatchi which is a big um, advertising agency so that was pretty that was pretty mega um, and then mm. also built out a network of co-working shared workspaces for, for tech startup businesses and then I also ex- exited that company two years ago as well so um, yeah I guess you know done some cool stuff and but pretty passionate about you know New Zealand and culture and community and, and commerce and creativity that kind of intersection between all of it. So fingers and lots of pies, but I've been I guess lucky enough to never really have had a boss. Um, but also at the same time, you know, work with a whole bunch of different people across a multitude of um, different industries. So yeah, in a nutshell, kind of hood kid done good, I guess. Um, deal with corporates, yeah. but I'm pretty straight. I swear I wear a $7 t-shirt. I kind of do my own thing. Um, I treat, you know, 
someone that's homeless the same as a student, the same as a CEO, the same as my family, the same as my friends. It's the same. So I'd, I'd like to think that I've managed to get to this spot um, doing things, I guess, a bit differently, but my way, but in, in a way that I think is um, uh, that won't make me die with regret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, exactly part of the reason why I wanted to get you on here because it's, it's a lot more relatable listening to someone like you saying that, you know, you just went about it and did it your way and were true to yourself through it than um, maybe someone who lives the cliche of a big Sue in a corporate world and it doesn't seem as relatable. And so taking it back to when, um, where you grew up and what gave you that discipline and motivation to sort of get out of that environment? Was it purely the sport or do you think you had something else inside you that just wanted more than that? Um. I've always had a drive to do more and I've always been extremely focused to execute and excel and exceed. Like the, I've, that's always been mm. like, if I'm in on something, I want to totally dominate. I, I've kind of, I am ridiculously and insanely competitive when I to choose to. Um, but for the majority of the time, I'm probably, you know, <laughs> I'd say 95% of the time I'm just super relaxed, whatever, like, nothing really phases me but then when when it's stuff that i really care about or it's things that i want to go after i i go hard you know so it's the same thing you know with sport it was you know soccer i wanted to take it to the ends and so you know got to the new zealand development team within a couple of years with basketball you know i was 11 and i was playing for the new zealand under 14 team over in australia um snowboarding um it was the exact same thing so my mindset was probably has been different from day one um but it's always been about momentum and 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 building um and what usually happens when you've got such a drive to create and go is you just usually kind of at fourth or fifth gear physically and mentally to others that are at in one or two and just kind of plodding along and there's nothing wrong with that it's just people each you know a ferrari is built differently to a toyota and that's okay you know if you, you want to cruise around the farm and do your thing and mellow four-wheel drive sweet and that is reliable and it works and you know if you want to go on a flipping motorway at 150 and smash it through the autobahn over in europe you know go for it so that's one of the other things as well i've probably just been self-aware around you know everyone's got different drivers everyone's got different motivators and i was probably just lucky enough early enough that i i guess was able to focus my energy to things i want to try and execute and go after those things Mm, yeah for sure and do you think that a person could learn to have that drive and build that momentum or is it just something that's within a person I think circumstances change your mindset but mm. the headspace of your personal drive is either with you or it's not because you can't force someone to love something and you can't force someone to love a process. You can't force someone to be passionate. You can't force someone to be totally immersed into it. And that's the difference, right? And when you think about those that are really passionate about what they do, regardless whether they're an entrepreneur that works in an organization, an entrepreneur that works out of it, whether they're a CEO, regardless what it is, if their passion is totally ingrained in it and they put everything into it plus they've obviously got you know commercial sensibilities and enough iq and whatever they're going to destroy someone that's just there for a paycheck they're going to destroy someone that's there just ticking boxes they're going to destroy someone that's not fully committed into it to do the hours and spend the time and put the creative thinking so you know those things in my head are the bits that that differentiate the the true winners that excel in the game and those that kind of just tick along doing the same shit right and then so once you had, I suppose, come to the end or um, had received like a bit of money from your professional sport career, was business something that you had always had on your mind and something that you wanted to do? 100%. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember when I was 20, I said, you know, I don't want to be 30 years old and have to jump off a cliff to pay my rent. I knew that while my snowboarding contacts and relationships and credibility within the ecosystem was at the top i wanted to build a platform that would be a business that i could slowly transition to so i wasn't getting paid for my physical talents i was getting paid for my commercial platform right and that means it would i would get dollars in the door into my bank account from um you know sponsorships and media plays and whatever not me having to you know go off a flipping 100 foot boot to try and do a 1080 right like that that shit's just not um and so commercially, it, it, I was always focused there, but years ago before that, I've always been 
insanely entrepreneurial with everything. I've always got ideas and thinking about, you know, hustles and things I can do. You know, my, my first business was, I was five years old in, in Fiji and there was a, um, a little Indian girl that I was in my class that, that liked me and she made me this awesome origami paper boat thing. And then instantly my brain just goes, oh, cool, can I have 10? And so she made me 10. I went and sold them for five cents each and then I got 50 cents. I could go buy an ice cream, right? So, yeah. and then I got told off and I got shut shut down, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, you know, when I was at um, Intermediate, um, Friends was the TV show and I used to go to my friend's house who had a color screen a color printer and I would print out um photos of the friends characters and I would sell them for two dollars um a, a sheet so they could put them inside their 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 locker on their um on their desk right um wow. when I was 11 I would go to the um <laughs> I'd go to the par three golf course at nighttime and go into the pond and I'd go steal all the golf balls from the bottom of the pond yeah. on the short par three where they'd always sink it and I'd bring them back the next day and try and sell the Pro V ones for a dollar. You know, I had paper runs, I had all sorts of shit. Like I, I was that guy. So, you know, mm. I would always see opportunity in the marketplace, but the difference was I would be totally happy to front foot and go and get dirty and just go make shit happen. So, you know, I think that's one of the other things I I, I feel is I've, I love – I, I half the time I love the sit down strategic chats with CEOs and the executives and all, you know, the, the power movers, but simultaneously I love being in the mud and hustling and grinding and do it, you know, like everyone knows I'm first to do that. So the, I think the difference of being able to um, have the ideas in the market, be able to think through things, but also be able to go and execute um, basically the speed of idea to execution is probably something that um, I've been, I guess, blessed with so um that combination is pretty pretty tricky and i don't see it too often but for me it works and and that's been pretty good so far Mm, yeah i think that's really important too and so what is the story behind the creation of your first business how did it come about the idea and how did you then execute that yeah so when i was snowboarding i'd done a few other little sort of projects and stuff you know when i was in the, in the States in 2004, I realized that poker sets, poker was becoming big and New Zealand didn't really have any. So, you know, I navigated my way through a Chinese manufacturer and I, I imported stuff into New Zealand, set up third party logistics. I was paying $11.50 for a, you know, 500 piece set, 11 and a half grams, two, two decks of cards, five dice, lockable aluminum container, all, all done for, and I was selling them for 140 bucks and I was buying them for $11.50. <laughs> So do the math, right? And so mm. I, I was just seeing gaps, but the problem with that is because I was still traveling around, I would have it all set up on Trade Me, had third-party logistics, um, and that wasn't a business. That was just a, I call that a project, right? Because I was in the state snowboarding professionally, and I would just get email notifications of like, oh, I sold two sets today, and then in, or three sets. And I was like, oh, sweet, I, I made 450 bucks, and it was all automated. And I was like, that was easy. You know, and this is 15 years ago. So um times obviously changed a whole bunch um but the, the first one was definitely the, the the first business business i would say is when i uh, created the first um sort of snowboard website um in 2006 and sort of transitioned from pro snowboarding and into that world i i knew that um we're going from dial-up to broadband internet i knew that communities would exist around content and i knew that I sort of had a skill set that could commercialize that content. Um, we, we built that company uh, first off the mix, and then we expanded that to New Zealand's um, largest net action sports network. Yeah, cool. And so what were some challenges that you found of doing that? Because I assume you would have been quite young at the time, and did you find it quite natural to move through that process? No, it was a shit show, to be honest, because what happens when you're young is no one takes you seriously. Um, mm. Regardless, even if you're killing it, people still have doubts. Um, I probably wasted... It was probably till I was like 25 or 26 and in the game for five years that people realized I wasn't a flipping joke. Because at the start, if you've got profile, anyone can start anything. But if you can actually then go and execute, that's when you probably um, sort of, I guess, earn their credibility. But the problem with that is I was essentially trying to, you know, not impress, but I was trying to prove to these people that I was, I was legit in business, right? Um, and I distinctly remember, I think it was, only the second, maybe the second year. So I, I, I 
quit in 2006 professionally. So in 2005, I, I won, got silver medal in 2006. Um, I then went and started, started the website, um, the first website. And then um, I just ran that full time. I, I retired from competing competitive snowboard and I just fully committed into the media business. Um, and I remember like two years later in spring, there was a Volcom peanut butter rail jam on, which was just like a, a cool, fun spring event that all the pros were at. And the setup looked so amazing. And I was like, stuff it. I, I, I want to go, I want to snowboard this thing. This looks amazing. So I competed in it and I ended up winning it two years after being retired, right? At, against everyone. And it was funny because at the, I had a bit of a breakdown because half the people at the event, they came up to me like, holy shit, Rebecca, I forgot that you could snowboard. And I was like, funny, haha. And the other half came up and were like, holy shit, Rebecca, I didn't know you could snowboard because they had seen me through the industry. And so what was kind of just really interesting through that whole process was um, just the headspace of how, I guess, I took things a bit differently, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I've heard this a lot recently about bias surrounding being young and trying to be taken seriously. So how did you deal with, with that bias, but then also you not, I guess, portraying the typical corporate character? How did you deal with bias around that? I, it's a, the honest answer is I, I turned 25 and I realized that the people I was trying to impress didn't mean shit anyway. And I've realized that everyone who was judging me wasn't in my shoes and if there were snow, if there were professional snowboarders that were trying to ride, that gave me shit because everyone gave me shit when I started. Is they weren't the ones that you know wake up at twenty six years old with a, a blown ACL, they get dropped from their sponsors, and they and they have to leave the snowboard world altogether because they got no money. And I could still be in it, you know. I, I just kind of realized that, um, you know, when you're brave to do something that no one's done, you need to be prepared to go and do it yourself and come with the the hassles of it. So. Um, I took a lot of flack to start with. Then I realized that they're playing the short game and I was playing the long game. They're playing checkers, I'm playing chess. And mm. as you you know, fast forward things out, I think I sort of probably played it right. Um, but when I came up to Auckland, I, I still remember vividly in 2008, one of my mentors who was the, the, the CEO of a big sort of company at the time, he was one of my mates that I'd known through Snowboard World and I was just trying to, you know, keep it sort of rolling a little bit. And he pulled me aside and he said, look, bro, don't change shit. Don't change the way you look. Don't change the way you dress. Don't change the way you act. Don't change the way you email. Don't change the way you operate. Don't change shit. Because what's going to happen is if you try and play the game like everyone else, you're going to lose because you're not being authentic to you. If you literally stay how you roll, which is, I call it flat, right? Cause I treat, I, I, I literally know that I am flat and consistent regardless who I'm talking to or what I'm about. Um, you'll win. And I always kept that with me, you know, and I, when I finally moved up to Auckland in 2011 with, with my wife, where I'm sure my fiance at the time now, now wife for almost te- um, 10 years. Um, we, it was just kind of, it was a weird vibe because I still remember telling wifey you know i don't want to be known as the snowboard guy or as this media guy was this i just want to be known just as rebet um mm-hmm. and i kept it all the way through right so for the first couple of years in the game no one flipping knew what i was up to and then it's just got to the point now where you know if they see you around and they know you don't piss around and get shit done they know you execute and as long as they know you execute and they like you and trust you you're going to be fine but um it would be v- extremely fair to say that how i roll I don't, I can probably maybe only name another couple of people that roll the same way in the ecosystem that, and get away with it. So, you know, it probably started off as a liability. Um, and now it's probably one of my biggest assets. Mm, Yeah, completely. And I think that's really important for people coming through, moving up their own personal career ladder, whatever that looks like as well. And from that, did you have, I guess, through your businesses, a business partner or anyone helping you? What was your support system like there? Um, it was really the the most critical best thing I ever did was got a business mentor to start with. Um, mm. the, I was really lucky. The first um, business partner, the business mentor I got was a guy called Heta Hudson. He's still in my inner circle today. Um, still one of my bros and just an absolute legend. And um, I had no idea how the whole world worked. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. Um, and so having having someone to start with is the most the best and best thing I could do. And I would have, if I was to do it again, I would have got more smarter crew around me earlier, but it's tough because you've got to earn your right 
to, to, to be there, right? Um, you can be young and everyone's got ideas, but if you haven't done shit about them, it doesn't mean anything. So it's like, shut your face, go back, go get me a coffee. Cause you haven't done anything. You know, it's easy for mm. someone young to say what's broken. It's like, well, until you do something about it, you don't have the right to that opinion. So shut your face. Like, and this mm. is what it took me ages to realize. Cause when you're young, you happily, I mean, obviously I'm probably still reasonably young now, but you know, you just point out everything that's wrong and you're like, stuff this, stuff that. But until you can understand, until you've done something that gives you leverage, you don't have a right to a com- to the conversation. Like, you, you, if you're not adding value to something that can be done better or have done it yourself, why are you talking? Like, mm-hmm. if it's such a problem, go do something about it. Then I'm then the decision makers are going to hear about it and see that you're an executor, not just a talker. And then you're going to be known as a young buck that's out there getting it, not some flipping, you know, annoying, you know, grommet that works in the corporate ladder that's got no idea how the world works, but just talking shit. So one's negative, one's positive. It's the the difference is execution. Yeah, completely. And for people who are sitting here like listening thinking oh they have this side hustle or project that they're working on and people might be cutting them down aside from what you've sort of told us already what is important for them to keep in mind to just keep going regardless of what people might be saying well it's two parts right one is um anyone that's doubting you isn't in your shoes so stuff them but two is the market's going to decide whether it's shit or good your friends don't. Mm. Regardless what your side hustle is, the market is going to dictate if it's good and valuable that other people would pay for it. Not your friends saying it's good or bad. So what young people do is they start something, they get, they think, oh, I'm just going to, I just got to stay committed and it's going to be sweet. I'm just going to focus more hours. It's like, well, what if the idea is shit and the market says it sucks and you don't have customers and the product's actually horrible and mm. just you trying to work harder isn't going to save it. It's like, no, you need commercial sensibilities. And that's where people stuff up is because they just keep going blindly and they mistake other people giving them negative haters, um, realizing that maybe the business model is shit. People don't see that. Their stubbornness to listen to the market puts them in way worse spots. Now, simultaneously, there's some people that have great ideas and they don't do it because they listen to those around them. So you need to be able to um, take in everything that everyone says, validate it commercially, but then the market's going to be the decider. That's the bit that Mm -hmm. people don't get. They keep these hustles, they keep these things. The reality is unless, um, you know, if it's not popping on the streets, it's not popping. You might need to kill it. Moving throughout your career, what has been your main purpose or motivation in business and how do you stay disciplined? Because I know that, you know, you can have that motivation, but sometimes it doesn't last and the discipline pulls you through. Yeah. So that's where sports has helped a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I get passionate about momentum. I love creation. I love momentum. I love building. Um, those are, you know, it's the creative drive. It's it's probably the biggest thing because if, if unless there's momentum, it's pointless. I think. Like, why spend time into something that's not going to go anywhere? This it's like, you know, you're going to be fifty one day and you're not going to be able to do any of this shit. So, what would be rad to say you tried to do at fifty? How do you not have regret? That's the cool shit. You know, everything else, stuff it right. Commercial businesses will come and go. You know, business partners will come and go. Friends will come and go. Family will obviously be there. Will hopefully not come and go. But the 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 key bits is what's your journey through that. You know, do you just want to wake up every day and follow this potential dream of what you think it is, and just you know tick boxes for the next thirty year, thirty years, get a nice Rolex when you're sixty five, and walk off into the sunset? It's like, all right, man, cool. If that's what you want to do, flipping sweet. What you don't want to do is wake up at sixty five realizing you did something you hated and have regret. That's that's the worst. So, you know, my my passion and purpose would be, you know, obviously outside of hoping, you know, my, my family and friends are safe and good and helping other people where I can. I want, don't want them to have regret. It's pretty simple. Mm, yeah, I think that's really key as well and something that a lot of people can be scared of going forward. I know for me personally moving through in my career, whatever that's going to look like, I just want to – I don't want to feel regret either. So I think that's an important thing to touch on as well. Um, no, stuff, and so yeah, that's, that's, but that, back to that point, that, that's what matters. Like, yeah. who gives a shit if you're 20 and you eat shit for 10 years doing something that you loved, you wake up at 30 and you're broke. 
just like everyone else. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Like no one cares. Yes. Yeah, totally. I, I so resonate with that. And were there any mental challenge, mental challenges through working through all of that and working for yourself? Have you always just believed in yourself? I don't have an option because I think I'm probably unhirable, to be fair. <laughs> I've got no skills. <laughs> I got, I got, I'm flipping useless. I, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've, I love working with people. Um, I've never had a, a, I mean, I've got no problem if I, if someone could say, if I could use my skill sets to do something and have a boss, I'd have no issues. You know, I'm not phased about that. It's just literally like my skill set is not really built for many jobs in the marketplace. Um, mm. if, so I'm, it, I kind of, I have to create or die really. Um, so it's always just been in me to, to create and go and push. And even if I was working for someone else, I'd be doing the same thing of, you know, give me, give me a target. Let me try and go and, you know, go after something, you know, those things are, are what really drive me. Yeah. Yeah. And do you reflect much on your career? So how has it transformed from the early stages to now? Like, what are your biggest takeaways, I suppose, when you look back? Um, see, I feel I'm going into, so I feel I'm in phases and waves, right? The first wave was action sports. The next wave was, I guess, media and tech. Now I kind of see, I see it as chess a little bit differently now where what I've probably realized the most is how business is actually done is so different to how you think it's done when you're 20. Hmm. How business is actually done is when you're 35 and you've got an idea for something, you know the decision maker on wherever it is and they know you and then they know that you've done enough shit that you've got enough credibility to be in the room that that knows they can go and execute to go and do it. Not, mm. there's no other games, right? It's It's very much, I know you, I trust you, what are we doing, let's go. It's not, you know, all this political bullshit or trying to climb the ladder bullshit or any of the other stuff it's literally um what's the idea who's running it do i trust them do i like them do i know that you can execute done next mm. and so conversations yeah. around bigger numbers get way shorter conversations around opportunities get super faster and the filter of who's going to run it gets even is even faster than that because what happens is after 15 years of as long as you've been doing your thing your head's going to be bounced around enough that people are going to know who you are and what lane you're in you know you meet people everyone shifts from business to business within a five-year cycle everyone kind of bounces around between the different sort of worlds so within five to seven years you'll pretty much know all the players anyway right and mm. what's going to happen is if you burn bridge after bridge after bridge after bridge after bridge pff, your name's going to pop up and then it's going to be like oh yeah i'm thinking about doing this thing so and so and then we're like pff, Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. Sarah Kelsey. She's a bit, uh, yeah. And then you're done. And you, the thing is, you don't realize that all this stuff happens behind the scenes with those that actually matter. Looking back over that, do you have something that you consider as your biggest achievement or success so far? Mm, no, not really. Um, I know it's, I just don't. Um, I, st I never had a, a party for any of my big wins. I mm. literally, my head's already to the next thing and I just wake up and just keep going on. Like I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have a congratulatory dinner. I mean, I had maybe a, I opened a good bottle of whiskey. That helped. Mm. But nice. there was no, um, no, there's, and I know it's probably a bad thing because they should say celebrate the moments, but I've had some really cool moments, but I, I, I just kind of, my brain's already to the next thing, you know, like I'm yeah. already on the next, like physically I'm physically, I'm in one spot of the win for the moment, but mentally I'm already at the next, the next space, you know? And I think, you know, maybe it's um good time to smell the roses, but at the same time, I, I think it's, I'm constantly grateful. You know, I'm really grateful from where I came from to where I am now. I'm really grateful for the friends and the networks I have now. I'm really grateful that journey I've had. I'm really grateful for the places I've been, able to go in the world i'm super grateful for um you know the talents that i've been obviously blessed with and worked my ass off at but yeah I, I don't um no i don't i don't say like i did this and that moment defines me because i think it's just part of the journey i think if you have if you overhype one moment that could define you right like mm. carlton from fresh prince of bel-air forever for his entire life, 
he's going to be known for the one dance for their one moment. Right. But I'm sure if you're Carlton, when you're 60, 80, when he dies in a hundred years, all the thing's going to be is it's going to be Carlton or Fresh Prince, not actually who the person was. And so I like to play the idea of legacy, not, you know, like long game legacy, not temporary relevance. Hmm. Yeah. I really like that perspective as well. So then what is your definition of success? Do you have one? Yep. It's being able to wake up every single day and not have regret. Because mm. if you have regret, you can't get that shit back. Yeah, exactly. It's a loss. But if you don't have regret, it means that regardless if you got a zero dollars in your bank account, you got a million dollars in your bank account, you don't have regret. Mm. So who yeah, cares? Yeah, I, I definitely. <laughs> yeah, I resonate that for sure. I think for me as well, it can be like. I don't know if you feel like this, but I hate feeling like I've wasted time. Is that ever a thing for you or are you is everything just sort of a moving part? No, t- time is huge and everyone always talks about it, but I I know what can be done in a short amount of time. So I try to over execute everything fast. You know, my mm-hmm. my Google calendar is broken down into 15 minute increments, color coded to different energies and to different um, ventures. You know, I've consolidated my whole workflow is around efficiency. So, as more for as mellow as I am, I do not piss around when it comes to getting shit done. Um, mm. to, to a point that people just freak out at the speed because I go that fast. Um, but I, I just feel that when there's a limited time and you've got the energy and effort, flip and send it. Go for it. Who gives a shit? Try it. Test mm-hmm. it. Build it. You know why not? What because you're worried about what someone may or may not say, stuff them. They're not in your shoes. They're not waking up in your feet having to put on your clothes to open up your laptop to start their your your venture. They're in their own buzz. You know, what I have realized though is that I feel a lot of people who I meet that are confused by me or they, you know, may just not really get me, it's because I roll so freely doing how doing whatever I do however I want it. They actually, I feel they start to question if they've played the game right. Oh shit, have I done the right thing? Oh shit, maybe, you know, how does this guy just roll and he, you know, high fives and hugs the CEO, swearing in t shirt with flipping, you know, a, a cap on and some Nike kicks? Like, what's this deal? What the fuck? Like, what? And what it is is actually they can see freedom and genuine freedom, you know, and, and when I think as well, when you genuinely don't need anything from anyone, the relationships change. Because they're not, it's not about your position. It's not about power. It's about the person. And I think that's mm-hmm. a big difference, right? Um, and I, th- I think when you're a young buck, everyone's playing the position. I am a senior account manager. I am a marketing director. I am a dot, dot, dot. You know, that's a position. A position is temporary relevance. That doesn't mean shit. Because in 10 years, you're not going to have that title, but you're still going to be the same person. So I'd rather have no title be known as a good person then regardless what i do i'm known for the person not the position and that's how i think the world's that's how it's actually done and and the biggest mistake i think people make is they they try to play the person um thinking it's about the position not realizing it's about the person Mm. yeah that is a really um really cool perspective i've never heard it explained like that but i think that's definitely so true and i was reading up on you that's that's the whole thing they fake it right like they play all this just dumb let's go to sales street and just get wasted on a friday talking shit to people that don't matter (laughs) blah 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 blah. and it's like do you not flip and realize that the actual heavy hitters are probably sitting over on waiheke popping open a 2011 ms field pinot noir and they own the block with their buddies on a boat not the flipping you know, the young bucks trying to flex out, dropping 500 on the bar tab as if they're rad. It's like, no, you could have started a business for that 500. You're a flipping idiot. What are you doing? You know, mm. there's just, there's levels to this shit. And I think what I've, what's been validated to me is when you play checkers, it's short term and it's transactions. When you play chess, it's long game and it's chess. Mm. Shit, yeah, I love that. And I was reading up about you and your bio, which I think is such a cool idea, by the way, that you put at the end of your email. And, um, I saw that you do, you've done the Gallup Strengths Assessment, which I talk about a lot on here. And I actually was thinking when I was looking into you and just watching a few videos and stuff, I was like, this guy is definitely got activator in his assessment if he was to do it. And then I saw that it's your number two. So I thought that was quite cool. And 
do you think that knowing your strengths is important and how like has that helped you throughout your career? Oh, 100%. I mean, it, you know, everyone's talking about the hype word of self-awareness and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, it's true because it's true. Um, yeah. I feel that, you know, I think more important than – like knowing yourself is great, right? I feel being able to read a room – and know what the other person's seen is actually more powerful than what knowing what you see. Mm. Because if you yes. can walk into a room and you can know what the vibe is, you can see what's actually happening. You can feel the energy. I think, I think I would go EQ, then self-awareness, then IQ. Mm. Cause if you can read the other person, even if you don't know yourself that well, you, if you know what the other person is about, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, I would actually prioritize that more. Like, yes, know yourself 100%. Know what makes you tick. Know, you know, I am extremely competitive. I am extremely driven to succeed. You know, I not much phases me pretty much at all ever, but when something triggers me that I'm emotional about, I'm ridiculously over-emotive to shit that matters for me <laughs> like so yeah. you know but but i know what that is you know like i i i don't like i hate systems and processes and structure i hate all these things and then simultaneously i i block out you know my time into 15 minute increments to get my headspace right so I've, i'm a i'm a walking juxtaposition in many ways but yeah <laughs> i'm i love chess so i'm strategic um i love action so you know and then i love achieving it's, it's you know think about it go do it win Mm, yeah I think that's so key especially about knowing the room and I think that's something that you can actually find out through that self-awareness piece as well is realizing that everyone has different strengths and that's something I realized solely through doing that strengths assessment actually was that everyone is going to be completely different and one half of your side if it's more relationship building or whatever might work with someone else being more strategic and I think that's so so important that is ex exactly right. So my latest venture that I'm working on is, is a, it's kind of a community platform with for business education and events and, and services and stuff called Brightfire. And my partner on it is a guy called Kale. Now Kale's young Māori dude from Dunedin, and he is literally the opposite of me. I'm fully extroverted. He is fully introverted. I'm full mm. big ideas, rah-rah, cool shit, and he is extremely analytical data spreadsheets percentages gross right Ugh. Yeah. but for him he flipping loves it and for me i flipping love it so what's been great and it, literally when i talked to him i said bro i think we should do this together because we are literally opposite from each other and we'll do these we did a working session the other day it was super funny we just had you know we were on um on a video call just sharing the screen working off the same doc and it was funny because we basically will talk out what we're thinking in real time but both of us it's kind of like a stream of consciousness between the two part partners right and yeah. hearing what he's seen and then him hearing what i'm seeing is just totally eye-opening like he's looking at oh if we do the number thing for this with the data this is a way we could and i'm just like Ugh. and i'm like oh, okay well we need to get the pixels here for the brand for this you know it's just it's quite funny how um different people are but that's what makes yeah. it better because i know that if i tried to do that all shit all myself i'd miss the entire piece on the other side and so i think when you can strategically partner with those that are the opposite of you i think that's actually where as long as you've got the same intent that's where you win yeah completely i, I so agree with that and i think that sometimes when you're younger maybe don't understand that as much it can be painted like oh well if someone's different to you you just don't get along with them and it's not going to work you're not going to gel but actually if you know how to work it strategically and right you'll be able to mesh those things together to make it even better than it would have been originally yeah well the way to do that is if you know there's an is there an aligned purpose because if you know mm. you're totally chalk and cheese and you're just hanging out to hang out shit's not going to pop because yeah. you're totally on different w worlds but if there was a common goal and you both realize that one plus one equals three, you've actually got alignment, but it's front yeah. footing the differences of why it makes it powerful. So the, if, if it goes unsaid through communication, it's a liability. If you address it and front foot it, it becomes an asset. And is that self-development piece something that you actively practice now? 100%. Yep. Mm. Yep. Every time I'm in a car driving by myself for more than 10 or 15 minutes, I'll have a 
one of my uh, Bluetooth headsets in and I'm, I'm listening to sort of audio books and stuff um, to try and learn a bunch, a bunch of different things. Um, I don't read books, but I, um, I consume, you know, uh, data and articles and bits and pieces to get a wide, a wide range. And obviously with my network of, of friends and, and business and, and, and life, um, it's extremely varied. So when you can have a wide network, um, you find themes that you can sort of weave with each other to, to see what's sort of popping. So that's one of the other things I think is super important too, you know, being able to sit down with anyone and have a flip and chat, right? Like my mum said that mm. when I was super young, she was like, look, I always knew you're going to be fine because you could walk into the room and whether it was a nine-year-old or a 90-year-old, you could have a conversation, you yeah. know? And, and I, I totally agree. Um, in business, if they don't like you, you're stuffed. And if you can be relatable, um, and if you can be likable and if they know you execute and you're not pissing around and they can trust you, I think the, the, you know, the sky's the limit really. Yeah, completely. I agree. And what, what advice or things would you say to a young entrepreneur and listening who's wanting to say, start their own thing, whatever that might look like? Uh, super simple. Whatever the idea is, go to leancanvas.com or it's a lean canvas. It's basically a one page business plan fill it all out, be non-emotive to see if the market would, it would win in the market, test it. And then if it works, flip and do it. And the reality is look, as I said before, you could try it for 10 years, whatever it is for 10 years. You could, even if you wake up at 30 and it all turns to shit, you'll wake up broke just like everyone else. So it doesn't matter. So, mm. you know, I, I like the idea of shotgun to sniper, go super wide try a whole bunch of cool shit that you're into, test, learn, scope. And then as soon as you find a, a, a bit, then drill down and go sniper shot. Then you go deep, go wide, then go deep, you know, test a bunch of shit, then find it and then go and execute against it. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really good practical um, advice as well, which is awesome. And do you think, what, what do you think sparked such a passion and determination in you to create something bigger than yourself? Was that always, the goal or it ended up just being something a lot bigger than you thought? No, I, I, I've known since I've been super young that this isn't about me anymore, right? I know that, you know, I know that at 35 now, which is pretty old to, to anyone that's probably listening, um, <laughs> but it's young as shit to anyone who's, you know, a grandparent. Um, it's not, a, it's, it isn't about me. It's, um, like, yes, cool, you've got profile, but what you've actually got is you've got a platform to help others. You can open doors. You can pick up the phone and get to the CEO of wherever you want to do cool shit. You can help people mm. genuinely, you know. You, the thing for me that I've kind of worried, thought about is when I was young but coming up, I didn't have – there was no – there was not a single young Māori known entrepreneur that was street. And by street, mm. I mean not like flipping homeless. I mean that talk shit – that wears flipping Nikes, that's into Dre and Jordan, that loves hip hop, that loves entrepreneurship, business shit, that has done some cool stuff in New Zealand. There wasn't a flipping single person, right? And now, not that I'm, I'm that guy, but like I'm 35, I'm still street, I still love, I still wear a $7 t-shirt and a flipping hat every day and, and Jordan kicks and flipping whatever I want to do, but I'm dealing with billion dollar corporates. What's cool about it is the fact of, I'm not saying I did it first, I know that now because there's, you know, the fact that we've even doing this podcast, it's, there might be some 15 year old kid here called Rangi from Rotorua, who I keep going back to. And this bit of content listening to this is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes him think a little bit differently to be like, oh, mm. this is possible. Oh, that's a bit different. Oh, you know, where are the breadcrumbs of positivity and aspiration? Not to say to do what I'm doing. I'm just saying to do what they want to do. You know, yes. I want, I, that's the, that's the shit. I'm not saying, you know, we're all black and try and live my, live my life. I don't think, you know, many people probably wouldn't enjoy it. It's probably a bit too, bit too gnarly, a bit too intense, but too, whatever it is, you know, my, my engine don't sleep much and I just do a whole bunch of shit all the time. So it probably is overwhelming for some, but some might enjoy it. I feel that if I can just create more and more breadcrumbs, um, that, that gives, a bit of a shine light to others, that's good. Because the whole thing for me was, you know, when I was 11 years old, and I didn't cover it at the start of it, but what happened to me was when I was 11 years old, my my dad had a double brain hemorrhage and he went 
back to the brain capacity of a six-year-old. Um, so I was essentially the man of the house at 11 in Aranui and we were on the sickness benefit and and there was a bunch of bad shit that was coming around me a little bit. Not too much at 11, but, you know, there's, there's a few little things dabbling, but nothing bad, too bad. And then when I was, you know, life at home was not safe and and, and it was pretty pretty ruthless if anyone knows how, what brain injuries do to, to people. And so mm. that was tough. And then um, when my dad finally got good a couple of years later, you know, on uh, – he sort of made everything back good with the family, which is good. We all kind of come together as a unit finally. Um, and then we were on a, um, we we're on a family vacation back up to see the whanau, back up in um, Ngāti Pirō and East Coast Gisborne, up in Waipiro Bay. And we got into a car crash and uh, watched my dad die in front of me in a car crash, right? So now I was 15. And so you then think about it, you're like, all right, well, fuck, now I'm 15, living in Aranui, on the sickness benefit, um, failing high school, not doing anything else. And I go to my careers advisor and then at this point, then I'm, you know, surrounded by gangs and drugs and bullshit. And I mean, it's the same shit that everyone, you know, you, anyone who knows that world knows that world. So I, we don't need to talk about that. But then I go to my careers advisor and I still remember I did this little test of what I could do when I finished school. And my careers advisor said, congratulations, Rebet. When you leave high school, you could work in a warehouse packing boxes. Wow. And that's the and I have I got no beef if that's what you're gonna do to pay rent no beef at all I have mm. total issue with when you're 15 living in Aranui on the sickness benefit failing high school not even being able to know you can't get into university surrounded by gangs and drugs and bullshit your dad's just passed away you're 15 years old and then your careers advisor tells you oh you can work in a warehouse packing boxes stuff that you know mm. stuff that so that was basically that single moment became the most motivating moment of my entire life that gave me the fuel to go I was like, all right watch me all right cool cool watch me and so you know i've been proven to myself um and i've i don't need to do that anymore i don't need to prove anything to anyone i don't need to prove anything to myself now i've got a, a platform that can help others and i'm i'm happy to do it so you know essentially i'm transitioning out of a prove myself to others mentality to now be able to provide value for the platform which i now have now that's not to say i don't want to do more shit it's just saying you know, I came from Aranui and I'm here and that's okay. And there's going to be other people that from wherever they're from, whether it's from Philpin Hokitika or Gore, Bluff, Philpin, wherever it, Waipito Bay, wherever it is, just to know that, you know, there's there's more to it. And and I think if I can help more people do that, Philpin sweet. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us because I think that's really important and I resonate especially with about creating those breadcrumbs and it's for that person who's sitting there to maybe have just a bit of a mindset change and that's exactly what I'm trying to do as well and I think it's so awesome to hear that and how you've done it and I'm in awe of the things you've created and um, I think that is just so special and definitely something that needs more exposure and more people need to get on and start doing that as well. So thank you for sharing that and thank no, you for coming on It's important, on the right? Like mm. I, I think that there's, that's the bit that matters. It's This isn't about us. This is about creating a bit of media that's going to sit somewhere in the interwebs that some young buck somewhere finds through something that then goes, oh shit, I didn't know that you didn't need to wear a suit and do a business. Oh shit, I didn't realize that you could do this. Oh shit, you know, like that's the point. Like where, where are those conversations? Where, where, where are the, those, you know, things? So for me, I just feel New Zealand needs, we've got an awareness issue around success and entrepreneurship mm. and young bucks, not just within culture, just in general. Like I want more Kiwis to win. I want more young bucks to get there killing it. I want, you know, and any of this old archaic hierarchical bullshit of how it's supposed to be done, laddering up to the top to be the man or, or the woman or whatever. It's like stuff that noise. Like mm. that's not how the world's actually like the game's flip and change. So I get pretty passionate about it because you obviously sort of tell, cause it's not, it's not real. Like all that shit, it's, it's not real. What's real is the relationships when you can look someone in the eye and, you know, could I count on you to come sleep on your couch at two in the morning and not feel bad for mm. it? Can I trust you not to go behind my back and screw me on this deal? Can I, you know, that's the shit that matters. So, you know, you're creating breadcrumbs here, Sarah, and I think that's, that's awesome and cool. And I, my my win of all the stuff that I do now is when I'm 65 walking down the street somewhere random, some flipping young buck kid comes up to me and goes, yo, 
you won't realize this, but 25 years ago, you said this thing on this one thing and I took that and then I went and dot, dot, dot and dot, dot, dot. You know, the legacy that I want to have is I'll know I've been successful with all this in decades to come, if not generations. And that for me, that's when I will be even more happy after I'm already dead, not flipping, you know, knowing that I did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That is so, so awesome. And I think another big part of this that is going to be inspiring for so many people listening and myself is that you were just, you've just been yourself throughout it all. You know, you've stayed true to the person you are and have just done things in your way, which I think is so key. And also, like you say, probably a big part of your success as well. Um, and something that we should all try and do. Yeah, I, I will say though, when I first got to Auckland after I moved up, I did try to play the game for just a little bit. It didn't work. It didn't last long, maybe a couple months. I went and bought some, you know, some fancy blue brown leather shoes and some checkered blue shirts and a couple of shit. And then I literally, it was like, what am I doing? This is, this isn't me. This is stuffed. And I never have since. So like, like I've not been perfect. I've tried to, you know, I tried to to flex a little for a second there, but it, it became very clear, very fast that, that's not how I roll. So, you know, maybe the good part of it now is if I walked into the room in a three-piece suit, people would probably call me a sellout. So maybe I've won, I've won that battle maybe, but um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, that's so incredible. Thank you so much. And I I suppose to um, wrap up, what would be something you'd say to people who are just, sitting there they are that person who doesn't know what they're going to do they need to have that mindset shift but they don't know where to move on from here what should they do i'd i would stop for a day i would go somewhere by yourself i'd put headphones on and listen to some mellow music looking at nature in the sun with a black moleskin i would sit down and i'd write down shit that you really love doing shit that you really hate doing and then I would reset what you think that future could look like if you went after the stuff that you did if you weren't scared to fail. Yeah. Then I would think about the handbrakes that might be in front of you and then realize are they actual risks or are they just perceived things in your head which actually don't matter. And I think the majority of the time it'd be stuff that doesn't matter that's holding you back. So if you can then go and execute against that um, – I'd, I'd go for that. And also know wh- what you're shit at and partner with people that are good at those things. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. That was amazing. I'm so inspired and I'm really grateful that you came on and shared your time with us today. So thanks so much, Rebecca. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having best of luck with it all. And hopefully these uh, you continue to, to make more breadcrumbs for, for more. It's, it's important and it matters. So I really appreciate it, Sarah. It's cool. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.